Welcome back to Energy Explained, the family YouTube channel and podcast. I'm here with my father, Vikram Rao. Uh, my father was the former CTO of Halliburton. He's a PhD in engineering from Stanford, and he speaks on authority of all things energy. Interestingly, he also speaks on authority of the business of energy companies, and that's what we'll be digging in today. So you will have recently seen the announcement. It was front page news that in the recent board of directors election for ExxonMobil, two quote unquote independent directors achieve seats due to the work of some activist firms to get boards, people on the board of directors that had a more of an eye towards green energy and green energy initiatives. Front page news. It's the first time I can ever remember seeing a board of directors election being front page news. So the first thing I'll start with that is this, is this a big deal? Oh yes, it's a big deal. Um, the because this is ExxonMobil. This yeah. is not just someone else. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is the number one in size uh, oil and gas company, uh, and I think has been pretty much number one in profits and generally credited with being one of the most conservative. So yeah. there you are. Okay. You have Behemoth that is generally <laughs> credited as being very conservative, putting in two independent board members. Uh, who will be more activist than them, which of course doesn't mean much. Uh, <laughs> so, so yes, it's huge news. Now you've worked with Exxon, you've worked with all the majors. Is that reputation of them being a more conservative outfit, is that well-earned and justified? Yeah, I believe, yes, I have worked with them. Obviously they were clients. Uh, yes, it is justified, but you have to keep in mind what does conservative mean in the context of my job. In the context of my job, it meant they take less risk. Okay, it meant that they go by the rule book much more so than than others. Uh, but it, that's the ethos of the company, and when you join the company, you know that. And so, and the company has done well. So right. hard to argue. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yes, they are conservative now. Whether they're politically conservative, I didn't bother with it at the time, and I don't really know. But uh, seemingly they are because seemingly. They have been a bit dismissive about climate change, uh, seemingly, but reportedly. It's hard to know what, who said right. what, really. Right. But yes, uh, so I would say I've known them be conservative more in a fiscal sense, uh, not necessarily in a, in a political sense. What's interesting, you mentioned the fiscal sense, because BlackRock, a massive hedge fund known for profit-seeking, not necessarily do-goodery, sided with the activists and voted for the independent board members. The argument being made was largely an economic one, a business one, saying, hey, the world is changing fast. Green energy solutions are the future. If we, ExxonMobil, don't get out in front of this, we'll be disrupted. And so we better put people on our board of lead. If I'm a stockholder, I want people on the board of directors that are more forward-thinking than conservative. So how, you know, how, how do you kind of compose that? It's really, it really was not a, a pro-environment argument being made. It was just a, we'll make more profits by doing it this way type argument, right? Well, it's the only argument that can be made. The board members have a fiduciary duty to the shareholders. And that fiduciary duty is long-term and short-term earnings growth. Well, at least long-term earnings growth. Uh, uh, and... And with, with that duty uh, comes a burden, which is, say, if you want to talk about climate change and so forth, uh, you must do it in the context of earnings. 
Yeah. Uh, so th- that goes without saying. So the mm. fact that BlackRock uh, did this shows only that they, in their estimation, uh, the d- direction of oil and gas is such that oil will become diminished, which I I agree with, and apparently Shell and BP agree with. Uh, and they're saying, what are you doing about it? Okay, so let's talk about the what are you doing about it. The article, the New York Times article, the Washington Post article, one of the things I found, let's say, frustrating is they kept saying independent board members. I work at a company. I follow the financial press. I read earnings reports. I genuinely have no idea what this word independent means. I have a guess, but it was never explained in the articles. So what does it mean? What does independent mean in this context? Yeah, it hardly anyone knows, I think. Yeah, no, the independent director is an, is an, is an, not all boards have independent directors. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what is defined as is that it's a director who does not have a material affiliation with the company. Okay, so that means they're not executives of the company. So in many cases, the, the CEO and some other executives of the company, CFO, are board members. But an independent director, by definition, cannot be an executive, cannot be a material uh, impact on, materially impacted by, okay, for, let me give you an example. They cannot really be investor uh, uh, representatives, okay? They can't be BlackRock people. Right. Uh, they can be, board members can be, right. but, uh, but not independent. So independent is seen as an individual who doesn't have any material gain from their actions. So that means they cannot be influenced. That's what it comes down to. Well, anybody can, but in, in principle, I used to be an independent director for an oil company. And, and by the way, I didn't much care for it because the trouble is independent directors get loaded up with all kinds of stuff that I didn't care for. You have to be the only director who can do comp- compensation because you know you can't co- do it for yourself. If sure. You're, yeah, and you're the only one who can do compliance and a few other things, and and it's okay. But but it point the, being independent director is, uh, carries some burden. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. That is what an independent director is, uh, and. It carries quite a burden, I would say, a different burden of expectation. Uh, in this case, when I was an independent director, the, they just decided they needed one, okay? And it was, there was no such pressure. Right, but the company said, we need an outside influence, we need this independent voice, we're gonna take the step ourselves. That's not what happened here. No. Uh, ExxonMobil opposed it. They, I read they ran um, a big campaign against it, spent a lot of money uh, reaching out to the voting uh, shareholders. So. How does it work where two people are coming in that really weren't invited to the party? Now, of course, the CEO has said the right things, and uh, well, what, what can he do? What can he say? H- how do you see that playing out? They're two of 12, um, and they weren't invited to the party. Is this, is this still front-page news, or are they just going to get sidelined? Yeah, well, uh, today's New York Times business section, front-page front of the business section says it ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, two in two words in twelve are not going to cut it. Okay, uh, I think that's a pretty sophomoric view, in my opinion. Okay, uh, uh, it kind of depends upon how these people conduct themselves. Keep in mind that engine number one, the tiny little investor who made this all happen, has never been uh, has never beaten the drum. Exxon is bad. Exxon doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, uh, they have not been, ex- you know, they have not been extreme. All right. Yeah. Uh, 
So one have to assume that the two directors that they picked are not going to be extreme. They both are serious energy professionals. Uh, so what it comes down to is very simply this. The, the independent directors are going to have to win the confidence of the other board members. Mm-hmm. Boom. If they win the confidence of the board members from the standpoint of what they know and how measured they are and what they say, uh, they can win them over. That's how it gets done. Okay, mm. that's the only way it'll get done. Yes, two in twelve votes doesn't cut it. But this is not this is not Congress. This no. is not you know. They're all on the not, same team. They're yes, all trying yes. to maximize profit. You got it. And and, and you sign it. This is an oath there, essentially. There's a duty called fiduciary duty of these two members also yeah. to advance the cause of the company. And the other board members know that. Now, if they treat them as colleagues, it'll go well for everybody. If they treat them as interlopers, it won't. So okay. it kind of depends. But the formula is very simple. Uh, get, win their confidence and then make sound economic arguments uh, for, uh, uh, for a direction that is both environmentally sound and profit-making. Okay. See, in the early days of this, and we are in very early days uh, of the this, which is how industry handles uh, a, a carbon-reduced future, well, carbon-increasing, yeah. therefore we should need to reduce it future, uh, it's going to be easy pickings to do. I mean, this doesn't sound easy, but early days, most things are easier to match those two objectives. Right. I, I mean, I can give you an example if you like. Love uh, one. Yeah, what's an what's example there? Yeah, so an example is from my CTO days at Halliburton. Uh, uh, it was not a board example. It was an example of when I wanted to do something that was environmentally sound, uh, but, I, but I had to make sure and couch it uh, as being the economics and simply be silent on the environmental issue. And that was that in hydraulic fracturing, we always use fresh water. Uh, mm. And fresh water supplies became an issue in some parts where we're working. And, and so I directed my people to figure out how to use salty water, which there's plenty of. Okay? Right. Uh, and without going into technical details, they got it done. Okay, and the, and so not only was in mind, but also salty water is cheaper to buy than fresh water. So there was an economic argument to be made, uh, and the environmental argument you just um, stay silent or uh, say it in small print. Okay? okay, this is how things work. Okay, so your your, your viewpoint here is that the yeah these two independent board members. We won't go into much detail, but they're veterans of the energy game. They're well-respected. They're not environmental radicalists. Like, and by the way, I'm not taking a political position, radical or not, but they're not that. They are, they are oil industry insiders. They're just ones that ultimately have experience in technologies and have a viewpoint about the future of energy that's less oil-reliant and more alternative energy-driven. And that viewpoint leads them to a different investment portfolio and it's their job to convince the other 10 or at least five others that that should be the strategic direction of the company while not getting saddled with busy work that independent board directors have to do and by solving the human component understanding that they they weren't exactly invited to the party you said you've been in a situation as an independent board of, but of direct a director but but you were invited in much different dynamic do you what you know, thinking about these companies, do you is is how do you think Exxon Mobil is going to play this? Do you think they're going to say, okay, the, the the shareholders have spoken, or do you think they'll try to ice them out? Just purely speculating. 
Yeah. So, well, first of all, by and large, they had to be directed by the board. Okay. So it comes down to uh, how the board as a unit behaves. I think it will come down to what the proposals are and whether they sound good. Okay. To the yeah. to the management. Uh, if they do, see, for example, look what they already did. Okay, now I, I don't think it was a big step, but they took one. They thought it was a big step. This is before the board members were elected, probably in an effort to assuage these people. What they did was, and we spoke about this in our right. House. This we did a show on this. Yes, this is the pumping show. CO2 underground. Yes, you got they, it. they announced that. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, and. Uh, and, and the problem, the only problem with that is, so it shows an intent to do something for carbon mitigation, but the only problem with that is, and they said it directly and openly, it relies upon subsidies from the government, okay? Well, either subsidies or a carbon price, okay? Right. And, and, and that any business that relies on government subsidies is, is kind of dicey, okay? And unless you can be sure that they will survive for a long time. In Europe, you can be more sure because they have a cap-and-trade system. Sure. Okay. Uh, and, and the EU is a behemoth, and it's unlike that ship is unlikely to change course anytime right. soon. So, right. aside from the fact that in cap-and-trade, the, the value can go up and down, it's there. Okay. Right. So, if we base it on European cap-and-trade, uh, then I think it's fine. Basing it upon a non-existent U.S. policy is a little more tricky. Having said that, they gave a signal. So, what they're saying is, if it is... If we think it's a moneymaker, we will do it. And that's and what these people have to do. Okay, so their ears are open. They, 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 they're open to it, let's say. And, and I would imagine they don't want to be viewed as recalcitrant and dig in and then get another contested uh, slate of directors and go down this path again, right? Like the, this, I would just assume you've been around the block way more than I have. If you're the chair of the board, the CEO... This is not a situation you want repeating itself too often. It's a shareholder loss of confidence in your current um, uh, leadership group. Is that not correct? Yeah, I mean, this is a huge deal. This is a big signal to the CEO that business is usually not going to work, at least in this context, okay? Yeah. Uh, and if he doesn't take that signal, uh, he may not survive, okay? Uh, see, people like BlackRock, they want to make money, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they will want the company to take a serious crack at making money, including carbon mitigation. Yeah. yeah. A serious crack. Now, it's in the eye of the beholder as to how serious the crack is, okay? But that's what they'll expect. I'm not saying they'll, they will expect it. Uh, yeah. So, so ExxonMobil will do it. This is a company that thrived. They have not thrived by being dumb. Okay. It would be dumb not to at least try something. They will. Okay. And now, speaking of trying something, ExxonMobil has in the past said, "Hey, we're not getting into renewables because we don't have a competitive advantage there." Um, you know, the competitive advantage, that's an economic term. It's often a sound business argument. Um, of course, the argument relies on a few unstated assumptions. It relies on the fact that you can be a major world energy player and not be in renewables. That is true today, may not be true in the future. That might be what this is about. But how do you view that statement in the context of what we just saw, which seems to be a repudiation in some sense of that sentiment? Well, they're absolutely correct. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> in fact uh, I think in one of our previous uh, episodes, I said 
that uh, the oil companies that are going into solar and wind are probably making a mistake because they have no competency in that space and they won't be able to compete uh, mm-hmm. with other people who are already in that space with competency. And that's what ExxonMobil is saying. They're absolutely correct. Okay. So then what's to be done about that? Okay. Uh, I, I believe what they should do, well, I think what they should do is more generic, but let me answer this particular question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the generic meaning, this is what I would do if I was a board member. But let's just answer this question. Uh, what they should do is take a look at, take, take for example, solar and wind, and say, how can we make it happen without actually doing it? And you know what? There is one clear answer for that. It's called storage, okay? Both solar and wind, due to diurnality and so forth, uh, need storage options. The last bid uh, in L.A. Uh, for a solar emplacement, not bid, accepted uh, contract, uh, the solar part of it was about two and some change cents per kilowatt hour. The storage part of it was almost the same amount again. Oh, wow. Yes. wow. So wow. storage is expensive. And battery storage, which is that, uh, is, not, is, in my opinion, uh, not the way to go, at least not exclusively. Uh, so they should take a look at what enables wind and solar and be really good at that. Can they do it? Absolutely. They have a lot of scientific horsepower and engineering horsepower in all those areas. For example, uh, some of us are thinking about liquid storage, fluid storage, rather than just electric battery, uh, I mean, electricity storage. Uh, storage as hydrogen, as ammonia. We have discussed some of this in the past. Uh, and... They're experts in that space, mm. experts. Mm. So what they need to do is pick their place. Uh, solar and wind, in my opinion, will become commodities. Yeah, yeah. Johnny come lately into into what going to, heading towards commodity status? Not a good idea. No. But no. doing something brand new on something that enables those guys, absolutely the right idea. Okay. So now let me you know sort of summarize. You do think two independent uh, board members can influence one of the world's biggest companies via economic arguments for how they can change their business models moving forward. You don't think it's a long shot. You think the New York Times headline is really oversimplifying things and actually just wrong that it that two two can't do anything. But you believe they need to follow their competitive advantage, be part of the renewable supply chain, but not at the point of production because they're too they're too late and it's going to be a low margin game and they'll just take a bath on it they need to sort of see where they specialize now what else is there anything else you would add that if you were one of these independent board members you know maybe the podcast gets bigger you know we can get try to, we can try to get you some votes next time um uh, uh it, what would you add to, to that equation besides what you just uh, mentioned yeah well first of all what they should do is uh, do take a page out of shell's book and do some scenario analysis and they're probably doing it anyway okay yeah but directed to this okay look at the scenarios out there pick one or two that are most believable okay uh, and then say with those scenarios what do we get done okay yeah. and then l- put the brains of the company onto doing it this is not unlike r and d yeah. You make a strategic direction and do R&D to achieve that direction. Not at all unlike that. We, yeah. And R&D will always have the same ethos, which is have short, medium, and long-term goals. That's what you would do in this case as well. Just treat it like a development game, uh, but the development is now a money-making carbon mitigation scheme. 
Okay, and so I mean, and then there are many there are many things. I I I know it sounds easy, and it's kind of easy early on. Okay, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. uh, there there's low hangers in the low hanging fruit. You need to figure out which one's the low hanging fruit and attack it. Uh, and I believe they're completely problem, uh, capable of doing that. And and I think if the two board members are persuasive, mm -hmm. uh, they they will get it done. And if you want, I'll give you examples, but I think there's replete with examples of the kinds of things that they could do, which, in fact, some of the competitors even not doing, even those who have said that they're going in these new directions are not doing. Uh, that's what they should do. They should act like they're king, and like king, they set the game, but, mm. but change the game a little bit. Super interesting to hear you talk about um, what a lot of people view through an environmental lens, but ultimately in a boardroom is going to be viewed through a profit and loss lens and how that materializes in the types of technology investments uh, that get made. So really appreciate your time today. I think it was a fascinating discussion, one we'll want to dig into future episodes, this recent Shell decision out here in Den Haag, um, and I'd just to think about how things are changing, but really appreciate your time today. We'd like to remind our listeners and our viewers, if you like Energy Explained, share it with your friends. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe. If you're on a podcasting platform, hit follow. If you have a comment for us, the YouTube message boards are there. We do respond to, I think, every single one of them. So we really appreciate the engagement. And with that, we'll say, see you next time.